Hey everyone, welcome to the show. It's your boy Johnny Clutch, talking about the latest sports news and giving hot takes on the sports that I love. Big news out of the NFL just came out recently. Kareem Hunt signed with the Cleveland Browns on a one-year deal for about roughly $1 million. And I must say, great move by the Browns. Now, I was staying in my one of my recent podcasts about maybe about a week or two ago. That I thought Kareem Hunt was a better bet in free agency than Le'Veon Bell, just p- based on the price that you're going to get him at. And I was right about his price. You're getting him for dirt cheap, which I think everyone knew. Uh, after what he did, obviously, with his domestic violence incident, he was really a guy that was going to take any chance that was offered to him. And Cleveland was the first team to jump at him. Uh, GM John Dorsey, who is now who used to be with the Chiefs, is now with the Browns, drafted Kareem Hunt in Kansas City and will be taking another gamble on him again. I honestly see absolutely no risk in this move. This is little risk, high reward. And I just don't see how you can see it any other way. The, the absolute worst case scenarios that happen is, one, that, okay, if he does something like this again, you can just cut him. Big whoop. You, you still have Nick Chubb, who had a great rookie season at running back. We'll get more into him and where he fits in all of this in, in a few moments here. Other worst case scenario, he plays well for you for a year and he ends up walking and going somewhere else. Okay, you got one year of great production from a running back. You're paying basically peanuts compared to guys of that skill level. And the reward for this is really great. You Obviously, they already have Nick Chubb, who I just stated before. Nick Chubb had an amazing rookie year. And when I first heard about this news, I was like, huh, why would they get Kareem Hunt? And the more I thought about it, it made a lot of sense. That's This will make a great one-two punch. This will be if Kareem Hunt can get back, which I think he will get back on this level. Let me remind you, in 2017, he was the NFL's leading rusher, and this year he had 14 touchdowns. He, this isn't a guy coming off injury. This is a young running back still in his prime, and when he was last playing, he was playing very well on a team that was a contender and was still a contender without him. But anyways, I get also that he will probably get suspended. I don't see how he doesn't. But really, this is a first-time offense for him. So I'm going to say he gets suspended at worst, what, four games? I don't see him getting any worse than that. So to recap all this, you get 12 games of probably, what, a top 10 to 15 running back at least for $1 million, for $1 million on the whole season. If you look at the market value compared to other running backs in the NFL of his talent level, you would realize that the Cleveland Browns are getting a huge bargain here. Running backs like Lamar Miller, Giovanni Bernard, Duke Johnson, who is also on the Browns, by the way, Carlos Hyde, you know, Marshawn Lynch, Latavius Murray, the list goes on and on. Those guys all last year made more, a lot more than $1 million. A lot of them were making a salary of about 4 to $5 million. And you see all the names around Kareem Hunt. The only guys near his ta- talent level are guys that are rookie contracts that were drafted in the third and fourth round. So this was a great move by the Cleveland Browns. And I want to touch on what the PR, quote-unquote, backlash they'll get from this. Yes, they'll get it. There's absolutely no question about it. But I feel that people always forget these things after a while. I feel after a year or two, yeah, it'll still be in the back of people's minds. But I just don't feel that, that what he did was that bad. That people have done a lot worse. I even I know I stayed a lot of this in my, one of my previous podcasts when I was talking more in depth about Kareem Hunt's situation. But let's just say people have done a lot worse than what Kareem Hunt did. 
I mean, if you really look at the video, it's not like it was a situation with what Ray Rice did where he literally knocked out his his soon-to-be wife. Yeah, he had a guy holding him back. He was, you know, making the kicks at her, and and he and then I think one of the worst thing possibly that he probably that he did was that throwing the guy into her, which I think should have get maybe gotten more attention than the quote unquote kicking at her. But anyways, yes, what he did was wrong. But I feel people deserve a second chance. If he does it again, then yeah, he should be really punished. There's no question about that. He can't let stuff like that get to him, and I feel he will and should understand that. And this Cleveland Browns offense has a lot of potential. Talking about Baker Mayfield, a quarterback who I felt was robbed of Offensive Rookie of the Year. You have Jarvis Landry in the slot. You already had Nick Chubb in the backfield. Now you have a great one-two punch that can probably rival, you know, Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara as the best in the league. I don't know if Mark Ingram stays in New Orleans. That's another topic. But we're talking about a one-two punch over here that would really be top-notch. I feel the carries will probably be split 50-50, and we'll probably they'll probably go up the hot hand each game. Who's running better in the first half or whatever the situation dictates? I think Kareem Hunt's a better catch, you know, catcher out of the backfield than Nick Chubb. But I feel Cleveland really, if they can just get another receiver on that team, this offense will truly be complete. I don't see many defenses stopping this team from scoring a lot of points. And you know how they always say in the stocks. Buy low, sell high. Well, they really bought low here of Kareem Hunt, and it was a great move. Now let's get to another topic here. A big NBA story I saw on uh, Sunday was when Magic Johnson was talking about, oh, he didn't feel that the Pelicans weren't dealing, you know, weren't negotiating in good faith with them in the trade talks with Anthony Davis. And I must say, I, I just think that Magic Johnson is just full of crap here. Uh, you know, I really just think he, they got a taste of their own medicine. You cannot tell me there was no tampering here with Magic Johnson and Anthony Davis. They knew for a fact that the Celtics couldn't trade for Anthony Davis. They probably dug up that rule and whatnot. They they had to know, and they had to say to themselves, you know what, we got to get Anthony Davis to request a trade. We got him to request a trade now so we have no other suitors for him. I guess you could say it's a little far-fetched, but I really don't think it is that he would go to those lengths. I mean... He's already went to those lengths. He he was already caught tampering with Paul George last season. He got fined by the NBA. And you know what? People may call the Pelicans petty, but I don't. I mean, I commend them for what they did. You want to tamper with our franchise player and try to take him away, and now he, he wants out of here? If you're the Pelicans, you're thinking, screw the Lakers. They really just put us in no man's land here. The only good thing we had in our team wants to get out of here. Now, I do feel that Anthony Davis probably would have left the Pelicans anyway, but, I mean, really, the Lakers pushed the envelope here, in my opinion, and Magic Johnson was ahead of it. I mean, maybe were the Pelicans in the wrong here for, you know, negotiating that way? Yeah, you can say that, but no one should be thinking that Magic Johnson's an angel and all this. They really got what was coming to them. And now these trade talks, you know, these failed trade talks, rather, will be a big problem for Lakers the rest of the season because, you know, the chemistry's definitely going to be down on this roster. Now, I will say this, though. To those young guys out there that were almost traded at a deadline or were talked about being traded repeatedly by the Lakers, I think they should just be professionals, have to realize it's a business, and just go out there and play. You're upset about them wanting to trade you? Well, prove them wrong. Prove that you want to stay there because obviously you're upset because you want to stay at the Lakers. In other NBA news, uh, the Raptors hit on the buyout market. Jeremy Lin recently bought, bought out of his contract the Atlanta Hawks and signed up the Toronto Raptors. And I must say, this was probably the the best signing in the in the buyout market that I've seen so far, and I'll explain why. First off, 
They just lost Fred Van Fleet for three weeks due to, to a thumb injury. So Jeremy Lin's obviously going to help out with that in the backup point guard position. Secondly, Jeremy Lin. Now, there's level of players in the NBA. Obviously, you got your, you got your superstars, you got your all-stars, your stars, you got your starters, your bench players. You know, Jeremy Lin somehow mixes in with those stars and, and you know, bench players. He can start for some teams, come off, be a really good bench player for a lot of teams. And... This is, that's obviously what he's going to be with Toronto, a great bench player. But Jeremy Lin, he just has that thing where he can take over a game. Now, obviously, everyone remembers when Sandy with the Knicks. This is about like the seventh-year anniversary of it. It happened around this time of the year, seven years ago in 2012. And you don't go that long of a streak in the NBA of like what, even, well, even though it was pretty short, eight or nine games it was about, you don't go that on that long of a streak of hitting like 30 points a game without having some takeover ability. And Jeremy Lin just has that. It could be a game in the playoffs where Toronto is down, you know, 10 or whatever, just need a spark off the bench. And Jeremy Lin is someone that can bring that to him, bring that to the team. And especially when you have backup point guards defending him and stuff like that, he can run the pick and roll. I don't know who's going to be coming off the bench, Ibaka or Gasol, but he can run the pick and roll of either one of those guys. And it could be a lethal tandem off the bench. And what's good about Jeremy Lin is that he's interchangeable. He can play the two or the one. Obviously, when Fred Van Fleet comes back, they'll probably be playing off the bench together. Or you also could do lineups to whereas you can play Lowry at the one, Lin at the two, things like that. And honestly, as of right now, I feel the Philadelphia 76ers are their biggest competition to make it to the NBA Finals You know, from the Eastern Conference. And the Philadelphia 76ers' one weakness is that they have terrible bench play outside of probably what? Maybe T.J. McConnell and Jonathan Simmons. I don't know. I just don't see a lot of those guys as rotation players in a lot of NBA teams. So if you can bring scoring punch like Jeremy Lin, Fred Van Fleet when he comes back, you also have Marcus Gasol or Serge Ibaka coming off the bench, probably based on matchups in the starting lineup, that will definitely be something that would bode well in their favor in a, in a possible seven-game series against the Philadelphia 76ers. So I'm going to come up with a bold prediction for Jeremy Lin here. I'm going to say that Jeremy Lin will win one, at least one playoff game for the Toronto Raptors. Wh whatever it may be, him dropping 25 points off the bench, you know, 10 assists, 12 assists off the bench, a game-winning shot, what, you name it. He's going to somehow in some way be a key factor in them winning a big game in the playoffs. So a great signing by Toronto. They just got a lot deeper off the bench with the trade deadline and the buyout market. On another thing going on around in the NBA, uh, I was watching the Oklahoma City Thunder against Portland Trailblazers game last night. Uh, a really fun game to watch, and obviously the number one thing that you saw was Paul George having an amazing game. He had forty, he had forty-seven points on fifteen of twenty-six shooting, very efficient from the floor, ten rebounds, ten assists. Paul George has been amazing this year. He's definitely an MVP candidate. I probably put him behind Harden and Giannis in terms of MVP, the MVP race right now. But it's it's obviously been the best year of his career. But this streak of Paul George just leads me more into I how much I don't understand Russell Westbrook. Now, obviously, I feel Westbrook's very talented. He's definitely a top five point guard in the league. But and uh, obviously he got that tenth game in a row for triple double. He broke the record. But here are some of the games, his shooting during the streak. Four of the five, four of these, what, ten games? 
here, here are some of the field goal percentage stats. Look at this. One game, he was 5 of 20 against Milwaukee. Then he was 5 of 14 against Orlando, 5 of 16 against Memphis, and 5 of 19 against Portland. Honestly, in my opinion, the triple does makes a triple double not even that impressive when you shoot that poorly from the field. And you can't tell me at this point that that doesn't this isn't stat padding. He's trying to get these rebounds and stuff like that. He handles the ball so much he he's either gonna shoot it or he's either gonna pass it. I mean, think about it. when you're dribbling up a court and every possession ends off you shooting or passing, you're gonna get double digit points and assists every game in the NBA when you have talent and you're playing 35 minutes a game. But back to Paul George and why it's really get it making me hard to like Westbrook's game is that Paul George, a lot of these games were very efficient, getting about 30 points a game, is actually getting less or about the same amount of shots as Russell Westbrook. I just don't understand it. Russell Westbrook, if Oklahoma City wants to reach the next level, they really want to be the Golden State Warriors. Obviously, talent-wise, the Warriors are better than them. Let's get that out of the way here. But just say Oklahoma City did add like another piece or so, another piece or two, I still don't think he'd beat the Warriors just because of the way Westbrook plays. He's got to understand it and put his ego aside and understand that this is Paul George's year, or at least during games where Paul George is scorching hot from the field, understand that this is Paul George's game. He's on fire. I'm 5 of 20 from the field. Pass him the ball. He's making everything. Paul George, like his game, should be getting more shots. He should be, what, is he averaging like about 28 points a game on the season? If it wasn't for Westbrook, honestly, he would be averaging about like 32, 33 points a game, possibly even more, and this MVP race wouldn't even be a discussion right now. Paul George would be running away with it. Now, of all those terrible things I said about Westbrook, I'll commend him for this. He he has a fiery attitude that you just love. I mean, he just wants to go at people. Like, when he's going up against the best point guards in the league, he want, he's going with the mindset that he wants to drop 40 on him. He wants to win the game, all of that. He has a competitive spirit that's really unmatched by anyone in the league. I, I absolutely, honestly love his fire and desire. But it's just that his game, it just makes me so hard to want to root for this guy. It's just so terrible to watch him. It, from, you know, just these decisions of not wanting to give Paul George the ball more. His terrible turnovers, his terrible shot selection at times. He's a huge conundrum for Oklahoma City. He's both helping them and holding them back at the same time. Hate the Warriors all you want. And I don't like the Warriors much either. But they are very unselfish. Westbrook would never fit in with the Warriors. Because look at this. When they wanted to sign Durant, Curry's like, okay, I'll take less shots. Clay, I'll take less shots. And they did it again when Boogie signed. I just don't picture Westbrook having that type of attitude. That's why I don't feel he'll, he'll ever win a championship. However, I do feel if Westbrook does figure out some of this and realizes, you know, what's happening with Paul George and that he should be getting more shots, I feel Oklahoma City should be the second best team in the West. I mean, I would compare him to Houston in that aspect for who's the second best team in the West right now. Oklahoma City has two star players in their prime versus Houston, who has obviously Harden in his prime. And really, I think Paul's starting to be over the hill. You see of all his injuries, and I see a slight dip in his production. He's not really the same player. He's definitely lost a step. And with that being said, Oklahoma City should have the edge over the Houston Rockets if they were to play in a seven-game playoff series. But certain things that Westbrook does, like you know, not getting Paul George the ball more, his terrible turnovers, and the things that Oklahoma City, do, this Oklahoma City team does as a whole, it's not just Westbrook, but I feel a lot of it is on him. It's things like that that got them upset by, by a team like the Utah Jazz last year in the first round of the playoffs, a series they shouldn't have lost, but I knew they were going to lose because of the way they play. 
So we'll see what happens with Oklahoma City the rest of the year and see if Paul George can keep this torrid pace up. He's definitely having an amazing season. All the credit in the world to him. I'd like to thank everyone that listened to this podcast. Hit those subscribe buttons on iTunes and Google Play. Hit those likes on any social media platform that you've seen this on. Leave some comments as well. Until next time, it's your boy Johnny Clutch. Peace out.